This podcast brought to you by Earthlink. It's Wednesday, January 18th, 2006. I'm Molly Wood, author of CNET's Buzz Report. And I'm Tom Merritt, and I'm on the phone. You sound funny. He sounds like he's on the phone. Yep, I'm home. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, CNET's podcast of indeterminate length featuring our fabulous producer, Veronica, and at home, Tom. Yeah, I have the day off. (laughs) <laughs> Which does not excuse me from the podcast. Nope, ever. But I get to do the podcast from my comfy chair. <laughs> well, aren't you the little show off? <laughs> <laughs> huh. I think this is Tom's first call in. It is, in fact, Tom's first wow. call in. I, I actually really? commented on it yesterday when um, I got the email. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I remember now. That's right. I was like, wow, Molly's, you've been. I'm usually the total flake. Four or five times. Well, you're usually out on business. Yeah, yeah you're usually on the road. <laughs> I'm not just sitting in my chair. You're not just sitting back in a comfy <laughs> chair. Can I do the podcast from home? You yeah. have to be at the board. Oh. I know, unfortunately. But you can take the board home. Oh. All right. Let's, let's, get out. <laughs> let's move on to the news. <laughs> So, uh, Can we, we all podcast at home? This isn't necessarily news, I guess, but we we did a little more digging into the issue of Mark Cuban's response to right. the telco's plans to meter the internet and and charge more for people to get their content delivered faster. Right. You, and Molly found the uh, the blog posting from Mark Cuban. Yeah, not hard to find. Turns out it's it's sort of ram a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he basically tries to make the the argument, and let me see if I can sum it up that we need a tiered internet because we don't have enough bandwidth to deliver all of the content that we'll need to deliver, like especially medical videos to help grandma survive, which I think is just a low blow. <laughs> and yeah. then like later medical, on he goes, well, and of course, videos. you know, some, some, some like entertainment content will have to be prioritized too, but, you know, He's called saying, the people who say information wants to be free fools. Right, and he's saying basically that there is not enough bandwidth available People talk about content delivery on the internet as though there's unlimited bandwidth available, and there's not. And so we need mission critical, the the, the ability to have mission critical delivery, basically, basically. And that's where he cites this kind of medical and home diagnostic applications, which give me a break. Like mission critical is is nine one one. Yeah. And but and so he's saying that there's these traffic jams on the internet, and we basically need the equivalent of high occupancy vehicle lanes, HOV lanes, well, so that we can cruise past. But you know what? No. I think he's missing the point, which is, okay, if we get to that point, which we haven't yet, but if no. we get to that point where, you know, content needs to be prioritized and, and we don't have enough bandwidth, then telcos already have an avenue to charge yeah. for that. They charge the, the content delivery they people. They charge the people that use the backbone already. Yes. They and, charge by the amount of data that is called from their sites. Yeah. So... What, what, the, what the issue here is that people are trying to fudge is, is not that people should be charged for using the Internet. They should. Because, yeah. yes, the telcos do have to run the backbone, and they need to make money off that. And they are charged. But it's where they should be charged. The telcos are trying to get money twice, basically. Yes. By saying, okay, we want to collect money from the providers that access our backbone. And then we also want to charge the content providers who are going over those ISPs, right. going over those providers into our backbone. In addition to charging the consumer if we receive those services directly from the telco. And if Mark Cuban's right, then yes, the price of the internet might go up. Well, and Mark Cuban, let me, I got so fu- like mad about this that I went and did some research because let me be clear, okay. Mark Cuban is not right about this bandwidth situation. He is acting as though we're going to keep putting more and more content on the web without ever increasing our bandwidth and that is just ridiculous. In the United States alone, only like 400 cities have fiber. 
uh-huh. fiber access to their premises. We could all have it. Well, but, he, you know, well, he says, and we to, will eventually to to try to head off your argument, which I don't think he does. He says, "Sure, new bandwidth is being added every day, but yes. guess what? Our ability is going far faster than the speed at which it is being added." Yeah, and no, it's not. Well, I mean, it is I mean, now because it's not being added quickly enough. But yeah, exactly. Are, like, I mean, you can make the argument that our capability to consume it is already more than the pace at which it is being yes, implemented, but and that the doesn't reason, mean that it's actually happening. Well, and it's circular. The reason that the, the fiber or the high-speed access has not been implemented nationwide is because the telcos are spending more money and more time trying to figure out how to get more money for their existing backbones than rolling out fiber networks. And then you also found this uh, networking pipeline story from uh, that was listed on dig.com, yeah. where Preston Grala actually points out that the United States has one of the highest uh, rates for broadband access in the world. Right, and yet we have some of the slowest access rates. They are making tons of money off they of broadband are. access already. Well, and they could be making more because we would pay a little bit more than 25 bucks a month or whatever if we were getting fiber. And Google told Networking Pipeline's Paul Kapuska that they would absolutely not pay cyber extortion in Paul's words. Which is awesome. Yeah. And the, and they basically are saying, absolutely not are we going to pay more to make sure that our content is delivered more quickly because it should be delivered reliably anyway. And Google, this is another interesting point, Google is in the perfect position to say, we're not going to pay you because they own a bunch of dark fiber. Yeah. And there are companies like Ford, apparently, instead of, as it was trying to roll out a bunch of video content, uh-huh. instead of going through an ISP and trying to kind of just get... Um, the bandwidth for it, they laid their own fiber lines. And they piggybacked on dark fiber so that they could essentially have their own network. And And Google has a lot more dark fiber than Ford. (laughs) That's one key, right? Is somebody, people like Google saying, no way, we won't do it. That just dries up the market for it. But the other thing is, Bell South and AT&T are not the only backbones. No. Telcos are not the only backbones, I believe. And so this gives well, a great opportunity for other backbones to go, hey, you know, we'll reach traffic through ours. No problem. Yeah. And the thing is, there's dark fiber everywhere. <laughs> yep. It's just laying around. And did you know, this is just a this trivia about bandwidth as I was Googling. Scientists in Germany are experimenting with creating more bandwidth from light molecules. From light molecules? Light molecules. And I'm reading you the mean, singularity is near. You mean low weight molecules? I don't know. You'll have to read it. I don't know. Or do you mean junk. photons? Photons. Oh. Photons. Creating more bandwidth from... Photon. Yes. I'll send you the story later. <laughs> and I'll post it on the forums. Yeah. I'm just saying that our, that our technological ability to create more bandwidth is going to catch up. Yeah, well, you're all into this Ray Kurzweil singularity. I right? am, so. because I, I totally am, because I do agree that the pace of change itself is increasing. Like, you can't make the argument. You can if you just want to make some spurious, fear-mongering yeah. argument that you need to make more money. You can say, yeah, we're never going to have more bandwidth, but it's not true. Well, and you have to be, be careful on, on the singularity argument, too, though, because the other side of it is going to be, oh, well, we don't have to worry about anything because the singularity is near, and that'll solve all our problems. So <laughs> you, gotta be, you can go too far that way, yeah. too. I mean, you do have to keep some sense of perspective. Well, yeah, but, I don't think I've said I'm going to start smoking and <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> doing crack and stuff because the singularity will save me. I'm just saying that it's ridiculous for Mark Cuban to offer that we need to have or to argue that we need to have tiered internet now yeah. because we have too limited bandwidth when we in the United States are not even close to taking advantage of the bandwidth that could be available to us. Yeah, and Japan, the, Korea, China, they all have gigabit fiber to their houses. My biggest problem is the backbones leapfrogging over the people that they already charge 
to right. try to charge content providers directly. To charge again and yeah. again and again. I think that's just that contrary to the way the Internet is supposed to work and does work and works well. Yeah. So in sum, telcos, buzz off. Yeah, buzz off. Which just doesn't even really seem strong enough. And Mark Cuban, you buzz off too. All right. We even got though I'm kind of on his side because of the day and date release thing and he's doing the simultaneous yeah, I, movie I, release. Yeah, I don't know. we're not saying uh, buzz off to Mark guy. Cuban entirely, just on this issue. Yes. Do your research, Mark. Meanwhile, Steve Jobs is suggesting uh, business plans for Microsoft, yeah. the strange world we live in. Uh, this was on a, a News.com blog yesterday. Jobs said in an interview with Newsweek, it just doesn't work to have the PC model. What's right. going to happen is Microsoft is going to have to get into the hardware business of making MP3 players. What? And he says this year. Yeah. X player or whatever. The X player, whatever they call it over there. He's basically saying that Microsoft needs to have the same approach that Apple has, which is the vertical hardware and software model where well, they control of course the hardware. He that, that's and the they model he's using. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? <laughs> I, I mean, I, it just kind of seemed, I don't want to even really get into this whole argument, but Microsoft with the market share um, <laughs> yeah. has been a little tiny bit more successful in terms of penetration than the very limited proprietary hardware and software control model. Well, it's, you know, I mean, even though they take 18 months to patch things, like the Wi-Fi vulnerability yeah. we talked about yesterday, it's going to be <laughs> yes. 18 months before that patch comes in. They still have, like you say, a huge market share, and they're a software company. Yeah, they are. Well, and as we've said on this podcast more and more, they're be- almost becoming an embedded systems right. company. And it seems to be working for them. Well, and it, I mean, it's sort of, you know, to misuse the concept of backbone, it's sort of like... If you're the one that runs everything, you really don't need to make a pretty MP3 player. Mm-mm. If you're the software that everyone is using. Yeah. Except for all the people who have Macs. I mean, <laughs> I suppose you could cooperate with someone on an OS that would run a fantastic MP3 player and license it out. That would be the kind of thing Microsoft would be doing. Yeah. But I mean, the Xbox is sort own. of an odd thing for them. It is. It, because they're getting into the hardware business there. Well, and it's a lost leader. It's basically just a delivery platform yep. for their for games. For their software. For their software. And then hopefully, I think they're hoping it's a delivery platform for their media center software. And I don't think that same model would work for MP3 players for them. No, I think that's just weird. Yeah. X-Player. We'll see, Steve Jobs. We'll see if your 2006 prediction comes true. Good old Jacob Nielsen, the usability expert, has a very interesting uh, column on his alert box. This is very interesting. Uh, Useit.com. Uh, saw this on Slashdot, actually. But he says that search engines extract too much of the web's value right now and mm-hmm. that content websites need to stop focusing on buying search terms and focus more on getting people to come directly to their websites and have repeat visitors. Yeah, that's really interesting. But that in itself is kind of a circular argument because then the companies will say, okay, how do we get them there? Well, you know, I mean, he's not saying that search engines need to go away and and people should abandon them. He's just saying that the balance of power here has shifted shifted too far towards the search engines and people need to to scale back. Organic search is always going to be important. Well, and he he is saying basically that search advertising has at this point just gotten out of hand. He's more talking about buying words and buying uh, levels in search engines and less about just having your stuff show up in a search engine. This is, and this is pretty obviously, I think, aimed at Google. He says, the obscene <laughs> profitability of search advertising has made many search sites offer a broad variety of non-search services, mm-hmm. such as lost, as lost leaders to drive right. traffic to their search pages among the free offerings or services such as satellite photos and yeah. online maps, and email, email, photo hosting, natural mm. language translation, like? and search to the user's local hard drive. And it's true. I think what he's saying is like you're trying to consolidate everything that the web offers 
onto what is essentially just a portal for your search so that you can deliver these paid search ads. And this is a, a line is a that pretty Google, interesting argument. Yeah, Google is skirting this line all the time. They mm-hmm. they run into when they were trying to index books for their for that search engine. They run into it. I think was it Reuters and the and the news, the Google News, where yeah. where they were. Uh, I don't think it was Reuters. It was it Agence, Reuters. It, it was, was Agence service, France though. Press. Maybe, was it? Yeah. Okay. It was it was AFP, but they were saying that they didn't want Google to index them anymore because they felt like it was stealing away their traffic. Right. So, you know, it's, it is something that search engines have to watch. And like I said, he, Jacob Nielsen isn't saying search engines need to go away or even stop doing any of this stuff. He's just saying sites need to stop playing into it quite so much. Right. And, and talk not so much about stickiness, but talk about having some value where people come directly to you. Well, and then you have loyalty. Re- I mean, he has a whole detailed analysis of the business model of what happens when you rely on paid search, and it basically just eats up your profits. This is really interesting. He says, I predict that liberation from search engines will be one of the biggest strategic issues for websites in the coming years. The question is, how can websites devote more of their budgets to keeping customers rather than simply advertising for new visitors? Kind of just a whole loyalty argument. And a key point to that is not keeping them in in the corral. Let them go away. Right. (laughs) Just make sure they come back. Right. Well, and also, and have mobile features. Yeah, because well, so that they lot, can kind of they can be with you wherever they go. A lot of a lot of websites make the mistake of thinking, well, if I want to keep people, then I should never link out to anything else. Yeah, and that's that's just wrong. And what he says is the real goal is to make users come back and to have them come yes. directly to your site instead of clicking on expensive ads. All right, I hope this is as interesting to our audience as it is to our boss. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dear bosses, <laughs> check it out. Well, at, like any major website or web property, we live and die by search. Yeah. You know, I mean, we right it now. is the difference between it. Google's algorithm changes are the difference between a good day and a bad day. At CNET, at Yahoo, at, you know, at a million different websites. And that's what he's pointing out, is that it shouldn't be And it that shouldn't be like that. that. And I agree. Coming up, we've got, uh, is Firefox spying on you? <gasps> uh, Apple has a little change of heart in iTunes, and Stephen King thinks cell phones might kill you. Do you believe anything is possible? At Earthlink, we do. We believe the same company that delivers your lightning-fast DSL connection can deliver your home phone service and wireless service, too. One company for all your communication needs. Visit earthlink.net and start believing today. Earthlink, we revolve around you. It's always the last one in the tease that makes me want to click, if you will. That's that's the whole way you do it. I know, that's a good one. Uh, So Firefox is proposing a feature that would make it easy for websites to put a little ping in in a link... Mm-hmm. so that it could send a ping to a server and track the fact that you clicked, whether you want it to or not. The only way right. to tell if a link would do that or not would be if you looked, if you hovered over it and looked. Actually, you wouldn't even be able to see it from hovering necessarily. You'd have to look at the source code. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are up in arms saying this is, this is bad for privacy, it's bad for anonymity. Um, and the There thing is, is no anonymity on the web anymore. Well, first of all, yeah. But it's also the difference between sites do this already with JavaScript and a whole lot of other ways. Yeah. But it's the difference between making it built into the browser and making it easy for everyone right. and making so sites have to work for it. And it's less transparent now. Yeah. But it's more efficient. I mean, the Firefox folks are saying, hey, I know this is going to raise some eyebrows, but the point of this feature is to enable link tracking mechanisms commonly employed right. and make it easy for them. So the whole debate is around, should you do that? Should you make it easy for them or should you you know, make them work for it? I just feel like the way, I feel like at this point, the internet is such a delivery platform for ads that if you don't want to be tracked, read the newspaper. Yeah. 
like get it on paper. I mean, I'm, I know that it's uncomfortable, but at some point you just have to be willing to accept a trade-off between anonymous information, like IP address, 192 dot, whatever, 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 clicked this link. Yeah. And, and you took the people word right then out of, actually fishing for your personal information. There's a big difference. You took the word right out of my mouth when you said uncomfortable. It does make me uncomfortable to think that this would just be become widespread. But at the same time, I am not really dogmatic about that, to steal a word from our old boss, Pat Houston. I mean, <laughs> I, I understand that if you're out on the web, you're not going to be anonymous unless you use an anonymizer or, you know, take a whole lot of prevention, preventive measures anyway. So. Right. Well, and people, you know what, and if Firefox was implementing this in a more transparent way that was heavier and then the browser got all bloated and it was yeah. throwing up alerts all the time, then people would complain about that too. Well, it's already a little bit of a ram hog, so you wouldn't want to add to that. Yeah, come on. Little ram hungry, that thing. Uh, we, speaking of, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, do, do you want to go? No, no. S- speaking of um, s- things that collect your information, that's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone freaked out about the new iTunes and the mini store and how it could collect information about what you clicked on at the music store. And Apple, uh, somewhat uncharacteristically, actually responded very quickly and um, and changed it. And said, now now the new version of the iTunes installer, the 6.02, um, now says, it basically warns you that it will send this information and so that you can receive related songs or videos and Apple does not keep any information. Would you like to turn it on or off? And I think this is the right thing to do, frankly. Yeah, I think Just so because, too. and less about the privacy issue and more about, I don't want that store on, necessarily. Right. I want to be asked about that. Now, the, the one thing... That we did not talk about yesterday, actually, though, was that apparently subsequent, this is on Boing Boing, subsequent information investigation showed that iTunes was also transmitting your Apple ID, which ties this information to your credit card, mother's maiden name, and other personal information. Uh, well, and I'm sure Apple says, well, we don't actually tie it to that, but... But yeah, they do. But I mean, that's it, what you use to sign on to buy a song to go, access your you could, stored credit card. You know, well, it's one of those things where the data is there, but we won't use it, sort of things, which happens all the time. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I don't want. Yeah. And I have to admit, knowing that it transmits the ID does make me care a little bit more. I would probably turn it off. That's the funny thing about warnings, though. It's like as soon as I get a warning, then I'm like, oh no. <clears throat> well, and I, I better and like turn I said, that I'm off, le- even again, though I don't really care. I'm less concerned about the privacy issue and, and more concerned about. The fact that this store is going to always be flashing in my face, and yeah. I'd, I'd rather be asked I am, politely. I am potentially concerned about the interception of the transmission of my Apple ID. Well, that's true, and that's going to think but, you know what that's going to be true if you're buying a song through iTunes too. Yeah, so. that's true. So anyway, they Wall Street it. Journal had an interesting article about Stephen King and his upcoming book Cell. Yes, uh, because Stephen King apparently hates cell phones. This book uh, has cell phones wreaking apocalyptic havoc around the world. They send a little message that make you kill people. But so the only reason we're talking about this is, ironically, <laughs> the publisher is using text messaging and cell phone ringtones to promote the book. <laughs> I kind of love it. The best part is when you can get a ringtone that says, in Mr. Stephen King's voice, yeah. beware, the next call you make may Could be your be last. last. I know. Uh, you have to opt in, obviously. This isn't just going to pop up on your cell phone accidentally and scare <laughs> the crap out of you. But, you know, it's, it, it's pretty ironic. It it's is pretty, pretty ironic. Well, and it, you can tell that he just probably painfully, reluctantly signed on. Well, the, the best part of the whole story, I thought, was at the very end where he said he wanted to have the ringtone be, <laughs> don't it. answer it, don't answer it. <laughs> And they wouldn't they go said for no. it. His publisher wouldn't go for it. But that's a great ringtone. That would be awesome. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. I can't believe they didn't go for it. I know. Those uh, weenies. 
That is very funny, though. But it's hey, Stephen King apparently sees cell phones as an impingement on personal freedom. I mean, sort if, of are. Because if you've got one, it becomes addictive and people can always find you. But you know what? I, I turn my cell phone off and I don't answer it sometimes. And you always have that choice. That's the only, that's the only quibble I'll have with Mr. Stephen King about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. He's a somewhat eccentric writer and I, that, what, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the future of cell phones. Although uh, his books are really scary, so it's possible everybody will read it and then be like, oh my God, I'm never using my phone again. On into the bits, Slash Dot had a posting about how disgusting your keyboard is, <laughs> according to a test carried no, out by Pegasus not. Lab for a Swedish magazine. The normal PC keyboard is infected by more bacteria <gasps> than a normal toilet seat. Okay. Oh, it totally I'm, is disgusting. I am so, Ew. so tired of hearing these stories. <laughs> Why? Like, because it's like watching those Discovery Channel shows where they talk about, like, the bed bugs in your yeah. bed, that and then eat, they show like, someone your sneeze. shed skin, and like all like your eyelash bugs. And and it's I'm all like, so gross. You know what? I can't do anything about it. I don't want to hear about it. Well, and you know what? The thing is, bacteria has the stigma. You've, your your gut probably has more bacteria than your keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bacteria is, yeah. isn't necessarily always bad. And that if you go around putting antibacterial sprays on your keyboard, you're then worse. you're contributing to superbugs. You're going to yeah. make it worse. I know. You're so you know breed. what? I don't want to know. File that in the category of I would just rather not you tell me that. And you know what? I'm going to wash my hands a lot. Yep. I but not with antibacterial hands. soap. Not with antibacterial soap. <laughs> <laughs> because, because when you all have superbugs and I'm immune, you'll be sorry. <laughs> uh, Boing Boing was following an interesting little story. Yesterday they reported that the MPAA was ripping off software on their anti-piracy <laughs> site. Awesome. Uh, report piracy site used some free software code, code, but failed to comply with the license, which said you had to acknowledge and link out to the creator of the code. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, in their acknowledgments link at the bottom of the page, you'll find a link to Stephen Griffin's site thanking him. But then another person wrote into Boing Boing and said, "Yeah, but if you go to the Google Cached version, you'll see that that link was not there yesterday." Right. So just a little irony. Nice work. And you know what? I, I, I'll hand it to the MPA. There was probably an honest mistake, whoever runs this site for them. And as soon as they realized it, they fixed it right away. Yeah, which kind of which shows actually that they're paying attention to the blogs, unless someone just emailed them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which I'm sure a bunch of people did. I'm sure people did email them. Uh, is Napster on the ropes? Citing- yeah, real quick. Apparently there's a, uh, there's a rumor going that Napster might shut down soon. Yep, citing sources inside the organization, the website Digital Music News reported Tuesday that a substantial round of layoffs is expected within weeks, thanks to iTunes. It doesn't say that, but yeah. it essentially <laughs> says that. <laughs> and all of mp3.com. Yeah. And finally, uh, on to email. Yep. Yinka sent us an email, listened to our podcast about um, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech not being heard by the new generation, uh, and sent us a website where you can listen to the whole speech and a bunch of other good speeches. We'll post the link in the forums, although be warned, we don't actually know if they're paying the, the copyright royalties that we talked about yesterday. Yeah, but I'm sure you'll be fine. It's AmericanRhetoric.com, and just look for the top 100 speeches. Yeah. That's probably fine. Uh, Martin, with the awesomely unpronounceable last name from Canberra, Australia, says <laughs> he has another reason why someone would want to dual boot an Intel Mac with Windows XP, uh-huh. and the reason... Is yeah. Windows Solitaire. <laughs> because it's just that good. Veronica, there's a good Solitaire for Apple, right? Yeah. He says, yeah, I play Solitaire. He said there have been no other good Solitaire games available for the Mac. Right. <laughs> okay, whatever. I'm sure this will spark like a weird, crazy, huge flame war. A Solitaire war. And then... <laughs> Which is ironic because, you know, you're supposed to play it alone. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and finally, very exciting news. 
this is big. Oh, this is super. This is huge. Fantastic. Frapper, our Frapper map, as of today, has reached 1,000. Exactly 1,000 members. <laughs> I tried to make a noisemaker sound that didn't Frapper. work. Frapper.com. <laughs> Remember, there's no E. Frapper.com slash buzz out loud. And the 1,000th member is Cintija. Or Cynthia, we're not or sure. Or Cynthia, exactly. we're not sure. From Nottingham, England. Oh, oh. I was happy to see that it's a lady. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, if you're listening and you send us your address, we will send you one of these so hard to come by Buzz Out Loud t-shirts for being our 1,000th Frapper member. Yay, congratulations. Congratulations. And also, awesome. Keep them coming. The next t-shirt will go out to number 2,000. Oh. <laughs> 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 but that shouldn't stop you from posting your uh, your name on the Frapper map That's right, right away. That's right. And uh, you can also email us, buzz at com. Give us a call, 1-800-616-CNET, and post on our forums. The forums are in full blaze again. It's good to see that back after the holidays. Forums.cnet.com. Look for the Buzz Out Loud Lounge. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.